As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Damage Blue, we're back with an all-new show. Listen, it's been the Black Future Month, and we've been celebrating all of our rich Blackness. Um, what did you guys walk away from this year feeling um, in your Blackness? Ooh, when it comes to Black Future Month, I feel like what we do as a collective here, I think, is an embodiment of Black Future Month. I mean, we do a show. Y'all don't see how we do this show, but this is virtual coolness, man. This is something you've never seen done before. So I feel like, you know, uh, our impact and what we do here on the show, I think is like something kind of dope when you talk about Black future. But that's just me, you know, boosting up our, our esteem because I feel like we just go so hard. I, I think Black Future Month highlighted that the Black community um, still isn't on the same page in a lot of ways and that it, undersc it underscored why it's so important for us to be in the same room and look each other in, in the eyes and break bread. And so I hope that what happened this month wasn't a one-off and that we keep creating moments, not waiting, but creating moments where we get to sit across the table from each other and have real conversation. But that's the only way we're actually going to get on the same page finally. Yeah, I think Black Future Month for me this year, uh, being able to hold that brunch was really special. And, uh, you know, folks will look at the video years after this year and be able to see how amazing that one opportunity was. But also, like you said, keep the conversations going, but also turn those conversations into action. Um, I was also interviewed by the L.A. Times this month from a black journalist. My black publicist set it up about the show where I host with two black co-hosts. Um, I really, and we're on a black network. Shout out to Fox Soul and James DeBose and his team. I mean, I really feel that what we are accomplishing and what we are creating um, is gonna be looked at years to come as somebody who, something that tr was a trailblazer. Um, this show is a trailblazer in many ways because we've blazed our own trail and creating something from scratch. When you talk about for us, by us, while we welcome everybody to the party, we know who we're talking to. And I have to say, shout out to all of the people who've supported the show, the growth of the show, the evolution, the ups and downs of it, and continue to rock with us. And, you know, I will say it's been very interesting this year Given some of the interviews that I've had, you know, we did the Kevin Hart, did the Tiffany Hash in the Common, uh, but also with Kanye. And I have to say, 
Uh, those were all black people who looked like us who showed up and stepped up for black media and in many ways did a lot of stuff that some of y'all should be doing, some of y'all favorites, you know. Uh, and I didn't go through white publicists or white managers or white agents. I went directly to them, black folks. And I, I can't wait to continue conversations. I've recently seen, I ran into Drake, I ran into Taraji. These are all people that I like and respect and ask uh, to come here on the show. Megan Thee Stallion and I have been talking about her coming on the show and Cardi B is coming. So this year I think is gonna be really exciting. And I'm just glad that we're kicking it off in such a powerful way in all things black. Now I have to tell you, looking back at this month, I've also seen some crazy stuff happening. I wanna talk about one thing that was just top of mind this morning when I was taking a shit. There's this therapist who's breaking the code of holding private conversations and experiences private. And this therapist says that, quote, creepy Prince Andrew was obsessed with anal. Now, recently reports surface of Prince Andrew being obsessed with anal sex. And it's also alleged that he demanded naked rub downs per a physical therapist. Now, the 50-year-old therapist, Emma Grunenbaum, uh, says that I had a lot of high-profile clients and often visited their homes, but Andrew was very different. He was a constant sex pest right from the start. Now, the therapist is claiming that he, that she was 34 when she worked with the disgraced prince in 2005. And during her first session, she says one of the prince's aides said that she had to do the massage session in the master bedroom because, quote, this was the way the Duke liked it. And she was immediately uncomfortable. Now, the therapist is also saying that uh, she bent over to prepare her equipment when Andrew came up to her and said, hey, nice ass. Do you take it up the ass? Mm. I mean, this is... To me, I don't feel like this is even alarming news. I feel like dude definitely gets down a little creepier than that. Um, it's unfortunate that she had to go through all that, though. I mean, I don't even know how to feel if you're near with a dupe, that that level of authority. I'm scared that she's even speaking out, talking about this dude. But, you know, hearing this story, it's not something I'm like, oh, it's nothing he would do. I'm I'm surprised it wasn't anything worse than that. Yeah, and also honestly, too, it's an abuse of power. You know what I mean? I think a lot of times when we read these headlines, we think about the salaciousness of anal playing this, what, and the other. Look, nobody on this show is a virgin, right? There's going to be very few things that we're going to hear about sexually on this show that one of us hasn't tried. Let's be honest, y'all. So, no, you're well, not. Well, so <laughs> well, think about the show. There are definitely things on this show that I could talk about that y'all have not tried. Exactly. No, but I'm saying all three of us, I think we've all three cover all the bases. <laughs> well, so I'm just saying. So it's not that we're sex shaming her or sex shaming him for anal. I've I've covered all the bases and sometimes I've been on two bases at the same time. But look, I think that, you know, I, I don't I don't think that it's above a prince or a duke or whatever he calls himself to be a sex animal, right? And I think it's it's natural to want to have sex. I just don't think you should be trying to, you know, stick it in your therapist's butt. But why even approach her like that if that's not even your relationship? Is that just power? Because, you know, there are a lot of people in power that think that they can do and say whatever they want. You know, for me, I now ask permission to even touch you because I don't want no problems. But I'm not going to ask my therapist if I can stick it in his butt. Like, I'm there to get help. I'm there to talk my issues through. I am not there to stick it in your booty. It's not just about touching, though, right? Because it's also how you harass people through language. Um, men offer me some really froggy things sometimes. And sometimes I'll just be staring at them like, how did we get here so quick, sir? Like Valentine's Day, I got I got a dick pic that was unsolicited. Just open my phone, expecting happy Valentine's Day. I, 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 think, I, think, I think that's appropriate. I, so, 
I, I think it's appropriate. I'm sick and tired of living in this world where we can't send dick pics nowadays. I'm sorry. I told somebody the other day, send me your dick pic. And you know what they told me? What pic? The dick pic. There's nothing wrong with asking for a dick pic. There's nothing wrong. No, with, I want to see solicit it and then if a person says i'm not sending it then move on to the next caller exactly but I, feel, I feel like we live in an ultra pc world now where we're uh, we're afraid to ask for dick pics like come on that's what phones are created for i didn't ask he sent it as a surprise i was not surprised i was not happy maybe we he was talked in two you. months uh, but maybe he was thinking of you what, what happened to the oh no, he the was couch? Maybe may, what happened to the thought? Maybe what ha what happened to it's the thought that counts. If I was you, I would have just counted the inches. Like you need to learn how to be. A, you you said you were sexually fluid and all this and that. Mm -hmm. Now all of a sudden <laughs> you, can, you can't get a so photo. I, 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 I'm so happy you mentioned that because in, in the sexually fluid community, we actually ask for consent more than vanilla folks. So in, in the space that I'm in. I ask for consent for everything. So you sending an unsolicited dick pic is actually not very sexually liberated at all. It's an amateur rookie move that tells on you that you're probably not as good as you think you are. Because rookies do that. So no more unsolicited dick pics. If there's a vibe and it makes sense, sure. But if I haven't talked to you since Thanksgiving, me seeing your ball sack on February 14th is not romantic. Uh, hi, hello, now, context. Now, this won't excuse it, but have you seen the ball sack before? Does he feel Absolutely. like, oh, you've seen it? Oh, okay, so he was trying to remind you that the yeah, gift maybe, keeps on giving. Maybe, maybe he okay. thought you were hungry. I mean, it's it no is Valentine's Day. He can't take you out for a meal, but if he can send you one via, you know, post message, maybe it could have turned into a date or something. You know, eight p.m. on Valentine's Day means you just want to get laid and you want to skip the gifts. I'm not so. Stupid. So wait a minute. I'm not falling for that. So what if what happened? Seen... Wait, wait. What happened to getting laid is the gift. It's Valentine's Day. That's the one day you're supposed to be busting it open. Everybody should have got, I didn't get none on Valentine's Day, but everybody should have got some on Valentine's Day. I will tell you this. You, a lot of men don't realize this when they're dating women. The nicer you are to us, the nastier we are. But if you go straight for sex, we actually shut down. So he fumbled. Had he been like, how have you been? I miss you. Let's have a meal. He might have gotten some. But just penis at 755 with no context. Yep. But we we don't no. know his data. We don't know his data plan, and that's a lot of messages. Oh, he has money. Sometimes you're charged twenty cents a text. Like, just get it all out in one. Just unsolicited dick pics are no fellas. Please. No, but this is my question, and we're gonna get it real quick. If you've seen the dick before, is it yeah. really unsolicited if he just reminds you of what you already saw? It's we like are watching, not dating. It's like watching a rerun. We're of not Martin. dating anymore. It's like watching yeah, it's like a rerun of Martin. You've seen it before, but it's always good to catch it a second time. So, Damage, you're sending dick pics to your exes with no context? Uh, no, I'm not sending nothing to my exes, but I'm just saying exactly. it's not like you haven't seen it before. Now, Because, mm -hmm. honestly, if one of my exes sending me an unsolicited nude, I'm not going to be too mad at that. I'm just saying. Like, a penis is not as pretty as a woman's body. I got to like you to want to see your dick. Sorry. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, wait, a penis is not as what as a woman's body? I only find penises attractive when I like who they're attached to. Not me. So a penis that is just <laughs> fl floating around and I don't like you anymore is just a one-eyed monster looking at me on my phone. There was, somebody that that I don't, there was somebody that I don't like, but I just discovered their penis. I was like, I actually kind of like you a little bit more now. You know what I mean? Like, that's I that's actually some think can actually make you grow fonder. You know, I think it's all perspective. Like, <laughs> we need to get to a, we need to get to a place in the world where we can start to bridge some of these gaps that exist. 
okay, uh, where we believe that we can't get closer to one another by other parts of our body than the heart. I do I do have to say that I, I think that um, that was a missed opportunity for you. And if you still have the text, you should definitely respond and, you know, set that thing up. Lord, I hope he's not watching this. Please do not call my now, phone. But but quickly, if you if you did get a new from like a female ex, would you feel the same way? I don't want. Uh, here's the thing: I'm in the space where I want to get married, and I've been told numerous times the amount of exes who hit me up is why a lot of people feel funny about dating me. Seriously, so I'm on a no ex rule for the entirety of 2022. Oh. That you're on. I'm not doing any exes in 2022. If we have sex there. before December 31st, you're dead to me. Your desire to get married is the reason why you won't accept unsolicited dick pics. Fuck out of here. Let me No, explain. my exes know when I'm dating somebody. They know when they try to ruin it. It's happened to me several times. How so I can't exes, give them the How many exes do you even have? I feel like every time we do this show, there's a new relationship we find out. There's the man that wanted to wear your panties. It's not there's new. The man that's sending dick pics. Hi, there's the man that your friend took. You got more niggas than I do. Where are all these men coming from? Blue put me on. The East Coast. I'm gonna be honest. She, None she got of that sauce. Whoa, you got that sauce. You got that sauce. Y'all going to get me in trouble. I'm just going to say this, that when you are someone who makes people feel good and mm. COVID has been hard on people, they mm. tend to, you know, want to feel better. That is Blue, my PC Blue, answer. Blue, I mean, everybody that watches the show knows you're smart. Did you get all this freakiness when you were a sex worker? Because I think people have forgot that that is a part of your byline. Honestly, sex, sex work is what healed me from my eating disorder. So... Sex was actually healing for me. It was, I'm being so serious. When I was younger, I had a re really bad eating disorder. I was like, I was real thin. It was really, really bad. Um, and the thing is that when you stop having an eating disorder, you gain all the way back plus like an extra 50 pounds. And I realized that I had left my body because I was constantly doing all these horrible things to it. And someone said, what about sexual healing? You can heal through sex. And so I moved to New York and fucked my way through the Bronx in Manhattan and found a way to come back into my body. And I felt powerful through kink and through sex play. So sex actually can be part of therapy i went to therapy after that but the sex helped i'm signing up for this this is called sexual healing wait, i'm gonna wait, look this wait, up wait, on yeah. um wait, fucked my way i've healed men through sex too men can be healed through sex too did yes we can blue thank way? you did you say fuck my way through the bronx and 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 harlem <laughs> you went through two boroughs oh, okay i can't listen and i'm gonna tell you that's why this next issue is an issue because the fbi is now saying that americans lost a billion dollars to romance scams in 2021 <laughs> so recently the fbi oh. announced that over 24,000 americans have lost reported one billion dollars due to romance scammers just within this past year now the federal trade commission the ftc reported that romance scammers contributed to a loss of 547 million dollars in 2021 and noted that cryptocurrency was one of the main sources of payment now uh per forbes the individual median loss in cryptocurrency was nine thousand seven hundred and seventy dollars as scammers use different methods to manipulate their victims with fake fake cryptocurrency investment advice now look i don't know you know i think about how much money i've lost in failed romances i think about sneakers outfits trips to zara or or neiman you know a couple trips yup boats stuff like that I ain't never did nothing crazy like some of y'all. Y'all be buying people houses. Y'all be buying people motorcycles. They got these dogs that cost $20,000. I'm sorry. There has not been a penis on this earth or an ass that has made me call somebody up and say, baby, how much was that $20,000 $20, dog? I got you. Like It just ain't there for me. And maybe that's because I'm cheap. But when I add up all the shoes I bought, I could own my own Zappos, you know? 
No, it, it makes sense, man. This pandemic got us all in the house and now you're meeting more people virtually. And then honestly, because it's a pandemic, a lot of people lost their work. So you heard it, it's crypto scams. You're thinking you're investing this money. So you're not just giving this money away to this uh, person you so-called fell in love with. You think this person really has your best interest and you can invest your money. So it's really just a big investment scam. And it's so sad, but it's I definitely see how this can happen to the average person. You know, you start flirting online Things start getting a little heated. It's like, yo, you want to flip your $100? Yeah, boo. Take it right out your pocket. Done. Mm. Wow. That's what your DMs be looking like? That's a lot. Well, wow. well, there's this new show on, I think it's on Netflix, about the Tinder swindler. This guy who's yes. on Tinder swindling people out. It's lots of money. I haven't had the privilege of seeing that yet, but everybody keeps talking awesome. about it. I don't think there's anybody that I've ever met that's made me, that, that I've ever met that whether I've been able to see them or not see them in person has ever made me feel compelled to send a bunch of wires and 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 cash apps and paypals is this uh is this a new era thing of people just being lonely and the in the pandemic keeping people trapped away inside their houses that they just are so desperate for love that they'll do anything i think the pandemic is is making us go back to old school ways like i heard that tinder or some app is now going to have a function where you can listen to people's bios instead of reading them and my old ass was like that's the party line They've reinvented the party line, Jason. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you remember the party line, but Jason and I, I we were there during the height of the party line. And so in 2022 and 1998 are starting to like blur for me. So yeah, they're bringing the party line back. I think being in the quarantine has made us all kind of go back to old ways and old scams. Scamming has gone up like 45% across the board. I've had to change my debit card like three or four times. I'm not even getting Tinder swindled. So you add that to the loneliness of, hey, baby, I got your back. And to Damage's point earlier, there were two guys that I talked to. I did not date them, so this is not no exes, guys. But there were two guys <laughs> that I met. And on our first and last dates both times, they tried to talk about crypto with me. Yo, if you just mm-hmm. give me $1,000, Blue, we, we could be a power couple. And I was like, mm, I don't like where this is going because you asked me for $1,000 if my, my entree showed up. So it is a very popular line, and I guess it's a new scam, which is really messed up. Well, I, I don't want it. I don't have no time for it. Uh, love is one of those things where, you know, it's very complicated. But on top of that, once a person starts asking for things, and I'm I'm very sensitive to when a person starts to make reference or suggestions that they need something or that it's so hard to hang out because their bills are driving them crazy. I'm like, well, shit, you better go handle them bills and come back and holler at me. Like, I'm okay with you finessing me because I'm going to finesse you too. But at least let's put it all on the table. Don't play with me uh, like I'm stupid. And and the more that it happens, and this is why I always think about men who don't think about what women go through on a daily basis. All the lines y'all run on these girls, all the lines y'all run on me, they've been ran so many times that we can see it before it gets there. I just feel like people would just need to wake up a little bit and be a little bit more mindful of that. Um, now, I could tell you, I've, I have never been scammed. But I have been stolen from by a guy. Let me tell you something. I met somebody and spent some time with this person. And I left him in my house while I went to work. This was years ago. And when I came back, my apartment was pitch black. And I just knew, you know, because he was from out of town, that he was gone. When I turned on the lights, baby, it looked like somebody had ran through my house. Computer was gone. Bose headphones was gone. A Beast by Dre headphones was gone. Jordans was gone. Um, And I'm not going to tell you how that how that was handled. But I will tell you that I learned a very priceless experience that don't leave no nigga in your house. <laughs> Ever. 
Or if you do have a camera, so you can catch their little sneaky ass. I'm surprised you didn't have a camera in your apartment, though. Catch their asses red-handed. Because they got those cameras you can talk through the speaker to, Adam. Like, hey, put it down. Hey, I see you. Well, put it down. Well, I didn't have right. cameras then. I have cameras everywhere now. You know, I don't have a camera in my bedroom for obvious reasons. But I almost feel like putting a camera in there, too. You know, people stealing out my house and doing stuff. And, you know, sometimes if I had a little bit too much of that, that, that Don Julio, you know, uh, <laughs> just never know. But, you know, you got to think about these things these days because people are just doing so much for cloud. Even go, hooking up with somebody and going to sleep, people got their cell phones. You know, it's one of those things where I'm just waiting for the videos to pop up of me. It's like, okay, we was in bed together. So what? All this going to be is some attention on social media. But I didn't even know Dick getting Dick was news these days. But look, uh, I just think that uh, folks should just be careful. And be very mindful of your coinage. Don't give it to anybody and everybody. Now, there's a new poll that's out asking if celebrities should hide their pregnancies from media due to the backlash. Now, uh, recently, we've seen celebrities get pregnant, like Rihanna and others. And we've had some celebrities who have hidden their children from the world and then pop up out of nowhere with kids. I think Romeo Miller was one that just did that. And uh, shout out to him who's on Fox Soul. I think it's one of those things where, like, we want to know so much about celebrities now and they want to try to find one thing they can keep private but you know i think that once you're a public figure although you try to conceal it and want to put it out on your own terms in the day of cell phones like how can you keep it private you go to the store you get seen going to the supermarket or or to you know the doctor's office or something somebody snaps a photo of you how can you keep it private i don't think that celebrities have the right to privacy, period. What? They, no, he oh. said, <laughs> you don't think they should have privacy, Jason? It's no. just so sad because I think we have the right to the art they give, but what, your personal life, I think you have that right to keep that private. If your mom is sick or, you know, a family, a loved one is sick, pregnancy, you're going through something in your personal life, like Romeo Miller, uh, you're an artist. You ain't got to tell us if you're having a baby. I mean, if you want to, that's dope. But as far as Rihanna as well, uh, we got Fenty. We got so many great things that come from her creative mind. Why do I have to know what you're doing in your personal life? Like some people really feel upset that somebody will come out with a child and they're like, oh, we didn't know they were hiding it from us. We not in a family. Like it's not up to us to dictate what they show us and not show us. So I think I'm a little bit on the other side of the spectrum with that. I'm all the way on the other side. If we're still doing these boxes by the time I get pregnant, y'all not going to find out. <laughs> Until Rob has to roll me out this chair. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I'm not telling none of y'all until I have no choice. And so Kelvin's like, Blue, you look bloated. I'm like, damn it. Okay, fine. I'm having a baby tomorrow. I'm keeping it a secret. West Indian women, we've always been told, wait until your second tr um, trimester because you don't want any bad juju. Because, you know, we do have haters, guys. And so a woman can get stressed from reading comments, feedback, backlash. You know, when Beyonce was pregnant the first time, she was actually getting all this backlash and then had a miscarriage. And she later said having to read the backlash is actually what made her feel even worse after her miscarriage. That was the exact moment that I decided I was never going to tell none of y'all when I got pregnant until I had no choice. So I'm all for it. Keep it a secret. I'm wearing baggy sweatshirts until I have no choice. I well, can break it now. Y'all won't know. I, well, I want to know because um, with Rihanna's case, I felt the energy between her and Rocky when I was around them that I knew that I knew a baby was coming because I knew they was getting it in. I mean, ain't no way them two look as sexy as they do and they ain't fucking like bunnies. Okay. But um, it was funny when 
I've when I found out that she was pregnant that I I had felt like she was avoiding me, but that was because she knew I was on to something. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm that master manifest that we talk about. <laughs> but I do. But but in her in that case, yeah, I would want to know. Like, I want to know when Riri is going to have a baby. Um, I, I'm not going to go digging her garbage to get the little test or whatever, but I definitely want to know. Remember back in the day in the boom of the rag mags, people were like d- going in people's garbage cans, finding pregnancy tests and doing crazy stuff. Like I ain't doing all that. I'm not getting my clothes dirty, but uh, I, I do want to know. I want to know who's out there having babies for sure. It's just it's these fun. fans feel so entitled that they're upset when it just mm-hmm. pops out and they didn't know. It's like, oh, they've been keeping this from us. It's like, you get the art, you get the creativity. Yes, they can keep this to themselves. You're not even in their family. They don't know your name. You're not entitled to nobody's personal life. That's just what it is. Now, if it comes out, it comes out, though. And then we're going to talk about it. Well, shout out to Van Jones, who also welcomed a child with his longtime female friend, Noemi. Now, Van said that the two wanted a child that they aren't together, but will consciously co-parent. Different. There's so many different ways to have kids these days. I almost feel like. They're going to find the microwavable kid thing in a minute where you just pop it in 20 Ooh. seconds later. Boop. There it is. I don't know. I Congrats to everybody out there having kids. Congrats to all of you who were able to conceal it. I'm on the job. If I find out, I'm telling people. I, I will say, though, I don't do pregnancy rumors at Hollywood a lot because women's uh, pregnancy during the first trimester is kind of tricky. So you kind of want to wait. Uh, because then you could be announcing somebody's miscarriage or somebody's abortion, and that's just not something that we do. But once we have confirmation that somebody's pregnant, I think when we found out Azalea, uh, Iggy Azalea was pregnant um, by Playboy Cardi, because a friend of mine was in the studio with them, that we put that out because we knew it. But we're very careful to not <laughs> do it unless we know for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, well, look, um, there's another social media poll, and this poll is asking... When and how should we teach our children about activism? Now, at what age and how should parents teach their children about being active and standing up for what they believe? Uh, And, you know, when I think about the Black Lives Matter movement, there's so many uh, kids who look like us, Blue and Damage, who are sitting at home watching this movement take place and not only want to be a part of it, uh, but there was recently something that happened online that we posted on Hollywood Unlocked that had me kind of giggling. This black nine-year-old boy in Vacaville convinced his entire class to walk out and protest against their school's officials because they decided to take chocolate milk off the menu. Now, look, I thought that was petty as hell, but I, I was like, look at my little Malcolm over there, you know, oh, being a little Black God. Panther for the black black milk, you know? Um, do you think he was wrong for that? I don't think he was wrong for protesting. You got you better do it. That's freedom of speech. But I will say as a parent, um, I have a nine-year-old. And just in passing, I don't know what made me say the phrase. I was saying Black Lives Matter. He said, no, Daddy, all lives matter. And I said, oh. hell no, son. It's time to have a conversation. So I think mm-hmm. around eight, nine years old, it's that beginning conversation you need to talk about race and activism because I had to let him know. Just because we're advocating for who we are and our skin color because we're the ones that get done wrong doesn't mean this is an indictment or us attacking another race. I had to really explain that to him because we're going to school out here in Burbank. He's around a lot of different cultures, but I got to let him know our culture does matter because our culture is the most attacked. And I had to really get that through to his head. And I don't think he's fully understood it yet, but I think it's it's a good time to start that conversation. And my son is nine. So I think around eight and nine, it's a good time to start really talking about activism and race and Letting your child understand who he is and where he stands in the world. 
Yeah, I, I, with my godson and um, all of my baby cousins that I helped raise, I started like around five or six because a lot of times when we think about activism, we think about the big ticket items. We don't think about how you socialize. By the time a child is five years old, it's already learning from the kids in the school, like being black is not as great as being white. Or, hey, I want to look like Susie because she has blonde hair and, and, I, and I have short kinky hair. Kids start understanding their value very early and race plays a very heavy role in it. I know so many little black girls growing up who thought they were ugly because they didn't have any hang time because their hair grew upwards instead of downwards. And so it doesn't have to be just activism as far as talking about police brutality, just talking about how valid and beautiful it is to be black is a form of activism that I think I'm going to start with my kids as, as early as they are able to talk and be cognizant and understand because anti-blackness sometimes is in the way the world makes you see yourself. And I want my kids to look in the mirror and, and see the right thing. Well, the district chef and culinary manager in this case, Richie Willem, says that the cut of the chocolate milk was due to milk's high sugar content. Uh, but when meeting with the group of students, the nine-year-old leader, Jordan Reed, argued that offering regular milk causes his classmates to drink less milk, leading to increased waste and students getting fewer calcium and vitamin D nutrients. I don't know who this kid is. But I this love kid, him. He's a little badass. <laughs> Now you talk about Black Future Month. This is Black Future right here, where we got leaders like this stepping up. You know, and and I'll tell you right now, I look forward to Chocolate Milk Days. When I was going to public school, I look forward to Chocolate Milk Days, and the and the white milk just did not taste the same. So, sorry. That's one of the first things we we actually bonded about, Jason. When I read your book, and I was like, Jason and I have way too much in common with our messed up childhoods. And then you start talking about your love of chocolate milk. I was like, damn, he was drinking the chocolate milk too. I will say though that you have to tell your kids when they're wrong for being activists. Cause I, and this is a real story. I got in trouble in the first grade because I went and told everybody that milk came from daddies and not from cows because I had found one of my dad's pornos and I got in trouble. So context is actually important. It was the first time I ever got detention because I saw a porno and I thought it was, it was milk. And you know, for the first time, I would say there's some things we shouldn't yeah. share on this show, but whatever, it is uncensored. Well, listen, context shout matters. Out this, shout out to this little nine year old because after he did this whole standoff, he actually won. And now, uh, chocolate milk, uh, they get chocolate milk one day of the week. And he said he released a statement via his publicist. Jordan said, quote, <laughs> I felt good about it. I brought back something that everybody wanted. I mean, Come on. I need a picture of this kid standing in DC with Martin Luther King did that, I believe. Uh, I, I have a dreamer speech, all right? Okay, question. How do we explain and combat racism in sports? Now, racism exists in every sector of life, in every country and in every industry of work. We recently witnessed racism in sports, uh, which isn't the first time. We saw the U.S. sprinter Shikari Richardson be banned from the Olympics over marijuana, while a Russian figure skater, uh, Camila Vileva, was cleared to compete after testing positive for illegal performance enhancers. And we all know Shikari was banned prior to the Winter Olympics after testing positive for marijuana, which she consumed to help cope with her mother's death. And this is what she had said. Quote, it's all in the skin. Can we get a solid answer on the difference of her situation in mind? My mother died and I can't run and was also favored to place top three. The only difference I see is I'm a black young lady. Now, Camila failed in December and the world just not knows. However, my results were positive within a week and my name and talent was slaughtered to the people. By the way, THC is definitely not a performance enhancer. Hmm. What do you guys think? Do you think racism is real in uh, when it comes to how they deal with people in sports? Now, before you answer, I'm going to just say, hell yeah. 
Yeah, but uh, I think the first question you asked is how do we combat it? And I think it's going to be hard to do that because sports is a racist institution. So I feel like the first thing we got to do is create our own sports institutions like what we had um, in the past, very long time ago. But we can create our own basketball leagues. And we have shout out to um, people like Ice Cube. We can create our own football leagues. But I think that's the first step in combating racism within sports because sports itself is racist. It just always was. The owners, a lot of them are racist. You see what they do with the coaches. Um, there's barely black coaches in any of the sports. So it's just a racist institution. And to combat it, we got to create our own. I do think creating our own long-term is a great idea. But I think before that, we need people of color, black people in particular, as gatekeepers in pre-existing institutions. Because I don't feel good about letting them off easy. Like, oh, we're going to create our own thing and y'all can keep on being racist to those who are left behind. I think in the institutions that currently exist, you need more black coaches, you need more black officials, you need more black owners, you need black gatekeepers. Because the reason why racism is so prevalent in sports is because we talked about the NFL earlier. It's like modern day plantations where all the overseers are white and all the talent, all the worker bees are black. And that dynamic has to shift. And so as long as it's white overseers with black talent, we're going to always have racism. We need black people who are making the, those calls, who are in those meetings, who are deciding those things about who gets to be in the Olympics and who doesn't, because athletes are not enough. We need owners who are black in sports. Well, Shikari mentioned that the world just found out about this 15-year-old testing positive for a banned performance-enhancing substance. Um, and she, this was back in December. And so, again, I just think that, you know, I always say I can't wait till everybody gets woke and that I'm woke as fuck because I'm sitting here watching this all play out in real time. It's not just sports. It's music. It's media. It's raising money. It's just being black in America. And, you know, I, I know when I first started building Hollywood Unlocked, I was very mindful to try to use my platform to build bridges but then when i realized that that other end of the bridge don't always reach back sometimes you just gotta build your side of the bridge a lot louder for the people to see and and, and a lot stronger for people to see and so what i know for sure is that if every athlete who was a person of color just failed to go to the table and compete they would all figure it out if just think about it if everybody uh, who is a person of color from basketball to football to tennis to whatever, just decided I'm no longer playing as a collective until they change it. Do you know how fast the sweeping changes would take place in sports? I mean, it, it would have a significant impact because if we said we're not showing up and playing and we're not watching, who? what is that going to look like? I agree. No I feel like us. we got so much power. And like you said, we do need black owners. We need more black coaches. But we got black players, right? And black players have a voice and they are powerful. We, they're the people that we look at. If everybody goes on that court and says, we're not doing anything, if they go on that field and say, we're not doing anything, you know, try to find you after game one. But if you keep doing that through game two, game three, game four, changes have to be made immediately because the money's going to plummet. And that's what we got to do. To take down that racist institution, we got to hit them in their pockets. Well, something that came out of the brunch was when uh, one of the people there said that, you know, black folks, black celebrities feel like white ice is colder. Another thing that came out from Connie Orlando, who's the SVP over at BET, when she said that when black celebrities don't show up for our stuff, it makes our brands look weaker and it makes our brands look less important. And when I think about that, I think about how often our folks don't show up for each other 
but still show up for other people who they claim to be racist or suppress them? Is it because of the bag that that, that the loyalty is there, or is it just this? I, I personally have said that I think it's the it's the seeking of white validation that uh, our people tend to have that gets them confused on where their priorities should lie. No, I just feel like sometimes we're conditioned to feel like uh, white institutions are more professional. Even if you look at how sports work with HBCUs, why aren't these players going to play at historically black colleges? No, because they think of Duke and all these other schools that are clearly white-owned are more professional. They have more resources. But if we start going to these platforms, if we go to these institutions, we will help them bring the resources. So I think it's kind of like how we're conditioned. I don't know where that condition is started, but we look at, oh, this white institution is more professional than with us, um, with our, our, our own kind created. Yeah, I do think that white is a default and that the whole world sees white as refined and mainstream and good and anything that's not white is considered ethnic and other. Perfect example, I'm on this show, I'm on the Black Network, I have Black co-hosts, but I'm also very aware that if I showed up the way that I usually look, which was my hair in a wrap, an African head wrap would make you all in the comment section like, oh, this is unprofessional. Why is she wearing African head wrap? She looks like she's going to the store. Despite the fact that people wear these head wraps for their weddings in other countries, right? Anything that's not white presenting is always seen as unprofessional. It's always seen as raw and crude. And that's all steeped in anti-blackness. White features, white validation. It's all part of the same system. But I do have to be honest, though. I'm never going to judge any athletes or anybody who's in professional sports who has a family to feed. And before they can think about the community, they have to feed their their family and they're saying hey this place that i'm going has more resources so that's why i keep on talking about why we need more black gatekeepers because even if we have all the players say we're not going to come back when it's time to talk about change without a, a black gatekeeper at the, at the table that change is going to be very like paltry we need people on both sides making sure that when we inconvenience them the folks who are making the solutions also look like us we can't just keep mm -hmm. on flipping over tables Right. But we also have to take a, a a very hard stand on where we sit with the issue. Right. If we believe that racism yeah. is, of course, the, one of the last few shows we talked about the Super Bowl, we talked about people flip flopping on the issue of whether they stand or kneel with Colin or they're all about Jay-Z getting the bag for the music production. Either way, I feel like, again, like we need to stop being America's hot sauce. We need to stop being white culture mainstreams hot sauce. We need to be the entire fucking mill. And that's the one thing that everybody I talk to at Hollywood Unlocked when I'm entering a partnership, I, I, I'll tell you straightforward a conversation I had with one of my brand partners the other day when I told him that the price doubled. They wanted to get into analytics and followers and this. And I said, let me be very clear. The follower count is one thing, which we're almost at three million. But the culture behind those followers matters. Like, I'm not a meme page. I am not a influencer page. I am one of the culture leaders online. And so to tell me, and I had this non-Black woman telling me what my value was, I had to check her very clearly and then called the owner of the company to check him so that way we can understand that i'm not here as a number on your bottom line that i'm here to give you the privilege of sharing your products with black people who spend a lot of black dollars and i think at first they were a little offended and most most people who are non-black get offended whether you're in sports or media or whatever when you speak out of turn well let me tell you it's our turn it's our turn to get everything we want everything we deserve and when i decided to double my rates 
it was there wasn't a lot of thought that went into it. I know the value and I know the discount a lot of people have been privileged to get and those discounts are over. And I think that what we have to do is just be very clear on our position. And and more times than few, I found this person, which I think has to happen in sports and has to happen in every other industry, trying to manipulate me into believing that the that the favor they were doing for me by giving me money was something I should feel privileged about. And the other thing is they were gaslighting me into defending my value. I don't think mm-hmm. we have to defend our value. We know our value. And I think that, again, going back to stop being America's hot sauce or white folks' hot sauce, Black people just need to get on one accord and 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 look at all their self-interests and align them with the collective interest so we can get to a better place. That's the only way we're going to win. Well, now, on another front, you know, recently they, they introduced the host of the Oscars this year, Amy Schumer, Wanda Sykes, and Regina Hall, which I think is going to be comedically funny. But, you know, the Oscars is another place where filmmakers and actors and actresses have been embedded in, you know, claims of racism over there. You know, I recently ran into uh, Valicia and and the new CEO over there at the Grammys Recording Academy, who are both black. And so some of these typical mainstream uh, environments are now bringing people of color into leadership positions or at least uh, front facing on camera. Do we believe that the Recording Academy and the Oscars will actually turn and become a very uh, fair and um, inclusive world. No, no, and I don't know much about it, but I, I just say no. It's just this been going on since I was born, y'all. I've been seeing people protest and complain about the Oscars and the Grammys and stuff like that since I could remember. It's not changing. We need to stop it. Like we need to stop it. We we it's at some point we got to stop complaining and say we got to draw the line to saying what are we doing? Are we supporting it? Or are we not supporting it? Because some days when they uh, nominate the right people, we're going yay. When they sit there and um, snub the people that we love, we go no. So it's kind of like every year they get us riled up, and I feel like they do this on purpose. So no, I don't feel like they're going to get it right. I don't. I'm 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 torn because I understand that sentiment because even when we have progress, it's two steps forward three steps back. And so it's not like linear progress. I will say though, that I do have a handful of friends who have are now have the right to vote during the Oscars. I don't want to say so much of their business, but, and they're very pro black. They're blackity black, like flip the table black. (laughs) And so knowing that these rebel rousing troublemakers who have made their way into the A-list are now being afforded the opportunity to vote next to the old white men. And I was so proud of them when they got that privilege it still makes me want to say, why not do both? Why not infiltrate and build our own? I want everybody's money, y'all, okay? I'm not leaving no money on the table. <laughs> if the Oscars owe me an Oscar, run me that on my way to the NAACP Awards. I want it all, okay? In lieu of reparations, give me everything. So I'm still a fan of both. I, I posted on my social media recently that I'm coming for it all in 2022, and I agree with you. I think that, you know, we don't have to choose one or the other. I just think we need to have to, we need to stop seeing one as superior than the other. You know, yeah. uh, the, the Oscar holds more value than an NAACP award. And that's really interesting um, and something to really unpack. Right. But I also feel like in many ways, you know, when it comes to who they put on the Oscars uh, or who they have hosting the Grammys, regardless of the, the, the color of the person's skin on camera, it's what are the policies and practices? What are the principles and positions behind how each organization functions? You know, when I think about our platform, Hollywood Unlocked, when I think about the show, what does it take to be nominated for Emmy? What is that process? What are the Mm. politics? You know, I can look at a lot of interviews and go, hmm, I did better than that. 
but you know, I'm not a voter over there yet. I'm not in that world. So I, I always find it interesting and in wanting to explore where these finish lines end up uh, for us. But I just hope that they continue to, you know, embody progress towards more inclusivity. Well, listen, we recently wrote a story at Hollywood Unlocked where a four-year-old girl was found alive uh, after being missing for three years. Apparently, she lived under the stairs in New York. Now, you know, Wait, this, now you know this is a little white girl. I, I'm sorry. I don't under... <laughs> Your kid was living under the stairs for three years. The stairs where? Listen, the story said she was under a secret set of stairs. What are secret stairs? I'm just baffled at the idea that somebody's child was missing for three years. How did the kid even eat for three years or go to the bathroom? Three years under some stairs? See, that's where it gets a little bit. No, that's where it gets a little tricky. How did she get under them stairs? How did she get fed? There's more to that damn story. That little girl just didn't crawl under there for three years and just play with rats and, you know, live in the dark. Like, come on now. Wait, why would you This, this is a bigger though? story. Because it's like you under the stairs. It's not funny, but three years, that means she missed three birthdays, three Christmas, three Easter's, three Thanksgivings, three summers. Like, I just can't imagine three. How'd they find her? But, but yet she survived. Something's going How'd on. This they- is a bigger story. This is sounds like sex trafficking or something. Like, how mm-hmm. they find her? Who lived there? Who fed her? Mm-hmm. What did she eat? Was she eating her hair? Like, nah. This is. I'm gonna wait for 2020 to do an expose on this. I need answers. Well, you know, the sad part about this is that there are so many kids that are forgotten that you know, three years in person or under the stairs, they can't go missing in terms of not being seen or heard of or heard from. Um, but where the school? The school? Nobody triggered the kids missing. Nobody thought of anything. I just. You know, I was on a call earlier uh, with uh, the mayor of my hometown, and I was talking to him about the investment that needs to take place for kids. And one of the things I said was there has to be this investment to the extent that there is support in the city for kids who are displaced from their homes, find themselves homeless, need direction, need to pull up and get support and services. I feel like nowadays when it comes to children, the world doesn't really look at children as valuable as they are. They don't look at them mm-hmm. as the future and really invest in their dreams or ideas. And I, I, I find myself torn at times because, you know, once you do get so blessed, especially coming from a place where I come from, you want to go back and help. You want to do a lot of amazing things, but you want people in your hometown or in those areas to invest in them because ultimately it's their, it's the city that they live in full time that actually needs the help. How can a kid like this go unchecked for three years? Well, they said that because of COVID. I don't know what the years were. I don't know if you guys had the years, but they've said that COVID made them realize how much of checks and balances for children's safety comes from other adults seeing them at school. And so there's a lot of kids who were in abusive households or who have gone missing, who because they didn't have a teacher to ring the alarm, nobody in the house cared enough to say anything. And so there is a lot of kids that have gone missing because of the pandemic, because of Zoom learning and not going in and homeschooling. And it makes me just kind of nervous for all of us, not just children. Think about how much we all do things virtually. There was a documentary a couple of years ago about a lady who died on Christmas Eve while wrapping gifts. And it took three years for her family to notice. And the big conversation when that documentary came out was, we all live in these silos. If you disappeared, guys, how long do you think it would take you? Well, Jason, we'd know in 20 minutes because you always have people around you. But damn it, if you disappeared, how long do you think it would take you people to f- figure out that you are no longer with us? I think I could last a week. I disappear for a week at a time all the time before any of my friends would notice. 
It wouldn't go longer than a day. You know, I got to see my son and my mom every day. But it's still it's still truth to that. That's so scary because I do have friends that are, you know, leaving their hometown from a, for a job opportunity, going to places like Portland or, uh, you know, places LA. like Minnesota, L.A., and you don't have that family support around and you don't talk to them as much because everybody else is busy and they could go a week or, I mean, three years. is That's crazy that nobody checked on grandma for three years. But that is very um that's interesting news right there i gotta think about that mm. it's, it's really sad you know and you know as somebody who was a kid who was left behind many times by his mom or you know went into the foster care system i often think about um a kid like this nine years old earlier this show we talked about a nine-year-old kid who was a leader in this community fighting for the injustice of taking out chocolate milk and now we're talking about a nine-year-old who was forgotten and left under the stairs for three years. Um, you know, when I think about a lot of the kids who look like me or who may not look like me, but are in situations like I was as a kid, I often think of the dreams that they have to be great and to have a life where they have um, to the freedom to do whatever they wanna do. I mean, the life that I'm living now, I, I dreamt of having just freedom. I didn't think about financial freedom, but financial freedom gives you a certain level of peace. But I thought about like, wanting to be great, wanting to have influence, wanting to make a decent living. And when I think about some of these kids who just want to go to school, they just want to wake up every day, just want to be loved. It's really sad to know that this is happening out there. And there is a documentary that I watched on Netflix that had me in pure tears that I actually even called Cardi B and she watched and she was in pure tears. Then it was the life of Gabriel Fernandez. If anybody needs to watch something that will make you understand how I feel about how important we should be looking out for our children. That's, that's the one documentary, but it was, um, it was devastating. I hope this little girl gets some therapy because we all know she's going to have some issues processing yeah. this experience. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, make sure you guys keep coming back. Cause this show is lit and we'll be here every week. Peace. All right, look, that was a great show. And make sure you keep coming back because we got all types of amazing interviews and topics that are going to make you go crazy. Uh-huh, that's right. That means like, subscribe, do everything you need to do to make sure you stay up to date with what we got going on. And ladies, stay tuned in because you know I have your back. And listen, make sure that you're commenting below because even though I say I don't read it on the show, that's all I do when it's over. Peace. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.